is a week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Colin Stone. And I'm Natalie Crawford. This week in the Weege, medicinal cannabis is available to be prescribed by doctors across the UK. We speak to Glaswegians set to benefit from the law change. Suckyall Street traders hold crunch talks with Glasgow City Council over fears a task force set up to help is preparing to disband. I'm proved right as the cast of Still Game announced a return to the hydro stage next year. And the People's Palace is set to remain open after a renovation plan worth thousands is approved by the council. A very warm hello to you and welcome to Week in the Wedge. I'm enjoying this Week in the Wedge, are you? Oh aye, I'd have preferred it if it was Week in the Wedge. Right, are a week in Barbados. This is a week in the Weege. Well, that is amazing. That's the, maybe the coolest thing I've ever heard. Do you like it? That's so What Like, did you give them that to say or what no, happened? So basically, they were in the studio earlier announcing that I was right <laughs> and that Still Games coming back to the Hydro stage. And I said, hey, you know me and my colleague Colin, we have this podcast and the very first thing we spoke about on it was still game and I said you were going to go back to the hydro and he didn't believe you and they said well hang on a wee minute let us do something very special for you and they did and we'll be hearing from them a wee bit more and all about that hydro tour a little later. I'm very excited for that but also yes. that is like I hope you play this, that jingle every week without oh, fail. That is going to be the new opening week in the week jingle because it is absolutely brilliant and I'm so grateful to Ford and Greg for Doing it for like us. Like on first name terms now, eh? Yeah, they're my new best I'm pals. so grateful to Ford and Greg. They're my new basic pals. Okay, Don't right. Let's, let's talk news, shall we? Yes, let's do it. So medicinal cannabis has been legalised in the UK and it'll be prescribed to some patients across the UK for things like seizures yeah. and, and difficult conditions, long-term conditions that other medications have not worked for. What do you make of this? Well, obviously there is uh, a kind of a still unease over the use of, uh, you know, cannabis generally. I know Canada have just legalised it and there's parts of the states which have legalised it. But I think here there's still an issue that people see the word cannabis and they think, oh, that's bad. You can't use it. Where actually in terms of its health benefits, it's been legal to use it as a medicine in the states for years it's just never quite got here, here. It's never quite got there here, which, uh, yeah. It's, so I welcome this. I think it's great because I certainly have seen this and the impact it can have on somebody's health when other alternatives don't work. And yeah, i say it's about time. Well, let's hear from Jamie Smith. He is from Greenock and he suffers from seizures and he says having the oil available on prescription is going to change his life. Quite a bad accident when I was 22, I was left with kind of seizures. I'd seen that CBDs were used a lot in the treatment so I thought it was worth a try. I had really bad tonic-clonic seizures. At one point I was having them up to three times, four times a day and they were quite violent, quite sore. So after I started using the oil, I noticed that my seizures reduced right away. They reduced in how kind of strong they were. Getting it on prescription would be a, a, absolutely phenomenal because I spend more money on CBDs than I do my rent and things like that. But it is a case of if I don't spend that money, I can't actually work. Sometimes you're deciding whether you can afford to not have your seizures or can I pay your bills, you know? That is awful. Yeah, I mean, that's not great. If he's talking about it's between living or actually having to pay the bills then that's not a great situation to be in so i'm i'm a, i'm guessing that cbd he's talking about is something he's already using 
Yeah, so you were able to buy it privately and there are a couple of companies right. in Scotland set up that it was available from, but these people are having to put up their their own money and it is expensive, like you heard there. It's, it's the difference between paying your rent and, and being healthy. Um, so I really think this is going to make a big difference. The one thing I've I've uh, been reading though, and this is something that I know you, you've been kind of over the story, one of the charities who reacted to this have said that perhaps access to it might be much more limited than expected. So is it one of these things where people are getting their hopes up a bit too much? Because I know, like, to get it, you're not, you know, you can't just turn up and be like, hey, doc, can I have some medicinal cannabis for my eye infection? I'm pretty sure there's some pretty sizable hoops to get through before you can actually get your hands on this. Yeah, so we spoke to the MS Society and they were urging caution. They are welcoming the move, but they're urging caution because it really is for people who have exhausted every other option. So we're talking children with rare, severe forms of epilepsy, adults with vomiting and nausea caused by chemotherapy, which there actually isn't any treatment for at the moment. Um, And and some patients with really, really severe forms of multiple sclerosis. Um, I think it's going to, it's going to depend on a lot of factors, your condition, what other medications that are available and even your GP. This is a week in the Ouija. Businesses say reviving Sucky Hall Street will continue to be a problem long after the street is finally reopened. A dozen shops remain closed, either still sealed off or not able to get up and running after the Macintosh fire in June and the Sucky Hall Street Task Force have been meeting at Glasgow City Chambers this week to find out the latest. Colin, you were heavily involved in this story. Yeah, so this has been something which we at Clyde have covered for the best part of half a year kind of on and off, but certainly in the summer, the height of summer and coming into autumn, the story became less about the renovation of the Macintosh and more about, actually, this is having a pretty big impact in Glasgow City Centre, to the extent that people who have uh, avoided the street for so long, you know, not just from the Macintosh fire, but the Victoria's fire too, have now stayed away permanently because the street's been closed off for so long. I mean, it's only now at the bottom end with the uh, Victoria's demolition now finished, that part of the street's now fully reopened. But you know, yeah, as you said, there's still a dozen shops closed and the footfall, I mean, I know you can walk past on the south side of the Socky Hall Street opposite the O2 ABC, but it's not attractive. There's no kind of real signage for people to get there. And that's from someone who lives in the city centre and walks around all the time. And the you know, as I say, the issue of, yeah, I mean, sure, the Macintosh might be rebuilt, these uh, the ABC might be rebuilt, but the problem is the customers, the people who actually use these shops, some of which are independent stores which have run for years, are just not coming and are, and are being turned away or are being turned off by it because why go to Soggy Hill Street when Buchanan Street's all there and all open and looking pretty? Yeah, so basically the, the thing this week was um, this meeting of the, the task force that Glasgow City Council set up in the aftermath of those two fires and the traders were actually really concerned that they were already maybe talking about reshaping it uh, and maybe even disbanding it disbanding it disbanding it that was easy for me to say uh, dis- disbanding disbanding it um Without really having achieved anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, I spoke to Julie Hutchison, who is the owner of Bigger's Music Shop on Sucky Hall Street, and she is the trader's spokesperson on this task force. And she was like, you know, Natalie, we're really, really worried about this. There's one business tweeting this morning that they've lost £100,000 since June, and, and that's not 
sustainable. Um, I went down to the city chambers for the meeting and it looks like things are on the up though. So this is what Julie had to say at the end of that meeting. I would say that the council are very committed to going forward in partnership with the businesses. Um, I would say we've still got a lot of issues to address, but they began to recognise today that there were issues that required to be addressed and that there might be a better way to address it than the task forces that currently exist. So, yes, I am actually encouraged that we're going to find a way forward to work with them to find positive solutions for the problems that we're facing. What support have they promised businesses on Sucky Hall Street? Well, at this point in time, we've not actually got down to the nitty gritty of what that's going to be when it's delivered to us, but we're getting the mechanism for that to be delivered, sorted out where we're going to have working groups, where we can work together with the council to look at what the needs are. That could be targeted and focused. So you heard your, heard there, things are looking up. But the other issue that's faced Sucky Hall Street traders this week is the budget Philip Hammond announced, I think, something in the region of £6 million for traders in the area of the Belfast Primark fire. But nothing for Glasgow. That was raised at First Minister's Questions today. What do you make of it? Well, uh, yeah, that was something kind of glaring by its omission because you're looking at the... I mean, sure, yeah, the Belfast Primark fire was, was terrible, but the Macintosh fire and the Victoria's fire were similarly destructive. And not just, you know, maybe not directly to the shops in terms of physical damage, but in terms of the long-lasting impact. You mentioned, you know, businesses losing a hundred grand since June. That's remarkable and also awful in the fact that how can a business sustain that unless you are a massive corporation which can kind of suck up those losses and it's not, you know, it's no skin off their nose? Then okay, but these are not big businesses. These are people like Bigger's Music, like tattoo parlours, like, uh, you know, people who are running these kind of small businesses, especially in the Savoy Centre. That's another one which has been kind of glossed over. Uh, they've just seen essentially a footfall drop off a cliff. That happened in the in the wake of the fire. I know the council is still working and they are working as fast as they can to make the Macintosh and the ABC safe, but there has to be more. There is This has been the constant story since the fire. At no point has the business, have the business said, you know what? Yeah, we're happy with the support. This financial support and this help has been great. It's constantly been, why is this not being done? Why is this not happening? And this, sadly, is going to just continue to be the fact until something worse happens. It's a week in the Ouija. Still Game is heading back to the Hydro for one last hurrah. The iconic show will return to the stage next, next September to bring down the curtain on 21 years of Jack and Victor. Now, Natalie, you mentioned this at the top of the show. I sure did. You, yeah, we discussed this in one of the very early episodes of Week in the Weech, and I said the show was done. After, series, after the current series, which is about to air, that would be it. It turns out I was wrong for the first time yes. ever. What did I say? <laughs> I said they would be returning to the stage and that they would take the show back to its spiritual home because, of, as we all know, Still Game started out yeah. as a theatre show. And I was right. Okay. I was right. And I had Ford Kiernan and Greg Hempel, Jack and Victor, in the studio earlier. You're going to want to listen really closely okay. to this column. So, first of all, thank you so much for coming in and joining us this morning. I am really excited about this because it means I get one up on my colleague, Colin. How, how so? How so? So, 
We've got a podcast. It's called Week in the Weed. In our very first episode, we discussed Still Game. It was round about the time where you guys announced the guest stars for your final series. And I said, I think they're going to end up back at the Hydro, take it back to its spiritual home for one last hurrah. And Colin was like, nah, 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 nah. That's not going to happen. And that's why we brought you this chocolate watch today. <laughs> so tell me, why are you here? Was I right? Do I have bragging rights? You do indeed. It's a trilogy. It's, it's We're coming back to do Return of the Jedi. You're obviously a Star Wars <laughs> fan. And you just knew. You put two and two together. And we're like, of course there's got to be a third one. And you know, we're delighted to be coming back to the Hydro. We weren't going to do a third one until you mentioned it. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Because I'm never right, especially when it comes to well, Colin. You're, you're so right. It's unbelievable now. <laughs> So tell me about filming the final series then. How was that? Was it emotional? Mm, it was. Yeah. It was a bit. I, um, there was a few uh, lumps in throats, but that's basically because we'd stopped using the feeds and everybody was eating the sweeties. <laughs> <laughs> Gobstoppers. <laughs> uh, so the, you've decided to take it back to, to the hydro then after the final series. Why did you make that decision? Well, when you see the show, it'll make sense because, you know, all your still game questions will be answered in Series 9 and a few uh, left over will be answered at the Hydro. Uh, this, the BBC are going to announce in the next couple of weeks when the last series airs, but we know for a fact it's going to be going out before we go to the Hydro, so that'll be the last chance, uh, the last time we perform Jack and Victor. And how how does that feel to, to say that? Like, that be the last time? To hang the bunnets up. Yeah, because this has been part of your life for how long now? 21 years. 21, I. Yeah. No, but just it's just you know we'd finished in the TV and we finished that story and we just felt that there was a story to be finished at the Hydro because they'd been so good to us before. I mean the tickets go on sale on Friday morning um, at ten a.m. through Ticketmaster and the Hydro, and uh, and then we'll know how many people are coming to see us. So it's exciting again. It's really exciting. But no, we we're just putting closure on on the theatre too. So we're, we're definitely finished. So. A couple of people said, "Ah, oh, you, you'll come back next Christmas," but no, we won't. We're, 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 we've done it long enough. And, that, and that's it then, that's it. Yep, we've done it long enough. <sighs> I mean, I'll go back to the point I made, which is, okay, fine, you were right, correct, well done. Have ding, a gold ding, star, ding. a cookie. A chocolate uh, watch. A chocolate watch, yeah, indeed. Uh, I just think the time has come for them, yeah, to to hang up the bonnets, as, as Greg said. The show is, its heyday was the original series, as good as it has been to see it back on our screens, I just think the you know people talk about their favorite moments, their favorite episodes. It's the old stuff, you know. As much, as good as the new stuff has been, I still think the old stuff is better. I think they'd probably agree. And uh, yeah, and the Hydro show it will be great. I have no doubt it will be a fantastic show. It'll be a fitting end, as will the TV series. I, again, I've I've no doubts about that at all. I uh, I just think it's kind of past past due to be honest. And that's not to say the show is the show is wonderful and is a part of Glasgow. It's a part of kind of Scotland, uh, Scottish identity. I just think it was, yeah, this is the right time for them to go. If not, maybe a wee bit sooner. I think for Ford and Greg, the thing is, is when it came to an end the, the last time, you know, it was kind of a bit controversial. It wasn't really expected. There was what, lots of rumours circulating around in the media. Have they fallen out? Have, have they not fallen out? And for them, it was probably a wee bit tainted. So I think for them, even just for to give them closure on yeah. characters that they've played for, you know, two decades. It was really important for them to come up, come back and, and finish it the way they wanted to finish it up. A very warm hello to you and welcome to Week in the Wedge. I mean, I'm enjoying this Week in the Wedge, are you? Oh, aye. I'd have preferred it if it was Week in the Wedge. Aye, or a Week in Barbados. This 
is a week in the Ouija. After fears that it was set to close indefinitely, the People's Palace is set to remain open after a renovation plan worth thousands was approved by the council. Now, Kerry, now Colin, you discussed this with Kerry Ann the week I was on holidays. So yeah. just remind us all what the background of this story is. Okay, so if you if you were uh, missing the show a few weeks ago or missed the headlines a couple of weeks ago, it was the news that the People's Palace and the Winter Gardens were to close indefinitely as uh, some very urgent repairs were carried out to uh, to, the, to to both buildings, which have been uh, Victorian-era buildings, which haven't really been looked at. And in terms of the fire safety and this, that, the next thing, they just needed work. The issue was the fact that it was said, this is indefinite. We do not know a date when they will reopen. We don't have the money to do it. And there was massive public outcry. Exactly, because, you know, as it turns out, people are pretty fond of these buildings. And so the council have obviously sat down and gone, okay, well, maybe an indefinite closure of these two very much-loved buildings is not a great idea. How about we look down the back of the couch for some loose change? Oh, look, there we go. It can stay open. Loose change? I think I read two minutes ago <laughs> that the renovations are like £350,000. Yeah, but like compared to the council's budget, fire exit. that's like your leftover lunch money. I mean, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it was my leftover lunch money. Absolutely. But in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to iconic Glasgow buildings, things like transmit, the, uh, you know, fireworks, all these big things happen at Glasgow Green. You couldn't just close off those buildings indefinitely and say, sorry, folks, we don't know when they're going to reopen. No, I actually can't remember. I actually couldn't count how many raps I've started with. In the shadow of the people. Exactly. Palace. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think maybe sure, maybe not everybody in Glasgow is a regular visitor to the buildings and probably more to Glasgow Green. But it said a lot. I think the council perhaps were maybe surprised by the reaction the news got because it did provoke a massive response and people saying, why on earth can you not just say it's going to reopen in January? Oh, it's, it's going to be cold for two weeks. Instead, it's like, we will never know when this is going to reopen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think the council, of, uh, you know, it's it's the right decision. It absolutely is. I just think perhaps they should have done that the first time, right? A week in the weeds. Well, that almost brings us to the end of the show. Not just any show, but Colin... Your final show. I know. It's very sad. It's very sad. I know. I am absolutely devastated. But the one thing I am chuffed about is it does spell the end of (laughs) We're in the Weeds. Well, that's unless you want to keep it going with whoever the the podcast ends up being with. You never know. I might make a surprise appearance now and then. Well, I'd really like that. Okay, well, good. Well, anyway, let's let's go for one more round of misery, shall we? If you don't know by now, every week one of us takes a turn to guess what parts of Glasgow and the West the other is talking about. So, I'm going to give you three clues. Get on the first clue. That's a three-hole point. Second clue is two. One point uh, if you get it on the third clue. Uh, progressively easier. Let's start with the clue number one. And let's say right now, winner takes it all. Winner takes all. Okay, so if you okay. don't get in the three clues, then that's that's you done. Yeah. Right. Okay. First clue, which is not going to be easy. I'm sorry. In a, they never are. In a 1596 map of the area, what the land was called Conflat. <sighs> Conflat. Yep. Is that because it's a particularly flat area? I can't. Of... I have no idea. I've never me- measured the topography of the area. Um. Okay. I'm going to go from a default answer. Yeah. Dumbarton. Incorrect. Although, uh, yeah, solid. Maybe one time you'll get it right. Uh, secondly, this area used to be a village east of Glasgow before it was swallowed up as the city continued to grow. Mm, so it's like right in the city. What do you mean right in the city? I'm, that's not what I said. 
okay, but like it was swallowed up by Glasgow City Council constituency. Yeah, yeah. As as the city yeah, grew, yeah. it then became part of Glasgow. So it's obviously not Dumbarton. It's not Dumbarton. No, <laughs> um, come on. Highlands. And I said east of Glasgow. Okay, never mind. Last clue. You, this is it. This is all or nothing. Last clue. To the south, Bailiston. Easter House. Correct. Yay! <laughs> Yes, 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 Goodness yes, yes, sake. yes. Oh, the thing is, I haven't even finished that clue. I started to say, I was like, <laughs> Shettleston to the east. Oh, man, good. Well, well done. There, That's it. I always guess almost the same things every single week. And Easter House is one of You've them. You've actually, there we go, winner takes all. Yeah. Easter House, unbelievable. Do you know what? I, it's your last and I really should have let you win, but nah. I mean, if it was going to continue the theme of the show, you would have like guessed horribly and got it wrong, but that would not have been a nice end. So no, well done. Have. Thank you very much. Well done. And thank you for eight or nine wonderful episodes. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, if you are ever looking for a uh, insomnia cure, just stick one of the old episodes on. A Week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weege. Sad times, I know. Join us again next time for more on the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, and Kerry ann Doherty and I will see you next week on A Week in the Weege. Bye. <laughs>